Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Hallelujah. But first, let's hold our Bibles to heaven and say thank you, Father, for your holy written word. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your words are life to me and health to all of my flesh. I have what your word says I have. I am what your word says I am. I can do what your word says I can do. Holy Spirit, anoint my ears to hear, my heart to receive, my mind to be open to the knowledge of the truth that makes me free. Quicken me according to the word. Change me from glory to glory. And I boldly say, I boldly say, I will never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Understanding faith is our title. Understanding faith. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 is our opening text. And it says, now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three, charity is love. But the greatest of these is charity. These three forces are spiritual forces. They're powerful spiritual forces that play a vital role in all of our lives. Every one of us. Love is the greatest of these forces because after faith and hope have fulfilled their their duty, what they're supposed to do for us, then in the end, love is going to prevail forever. So love will never end. It's eternal. Faith deals with past and present. Faith is never in the future. Faith is past and present. Hope deals with the future. Love is eternal. If we hope for something, that's not enough. It's not going to materialize. We have to mix faith with it. In the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, we see Paul, once again, using these three powerful forces and puts them kind of detailed for us. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus... What's our, who's our faith in? Him and his finished work on Calvary. And of the love which you have to whom? To all the saints. For the hope which is laid up for you where? In heaven. Whereof ye had heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. Notice again those three words. Our faith is in the finished work of Christ. Our love is for all the saints. We love God and we love the saints. And then our hope. Thank God for the future hope of a glorified body and a heavenly home. Anybody here have that hope within you? Now you can't receive that now, but one day you will. Your faith will cause it to be materialized. But we have to understand how faith works. Now notice also in the book of Galatians, chapter 5 and verse 6, once again, Paul detailing this for us. For in Jesus Christ, are you in Jesus Christ? It doesn't matter whether you've been a Jew or if you were a Gentile when you came to Christ. But what matters is faith working by love. So faith and love cannot be the same if faith works by love. Love is the environment of faith. Faith works in the environment of love. So we have to live in the realm of love in order for our faith to be productive. So faith works by love. But then faith, look at Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things what? Notice hope for. So faith and hope can't be the same. 
But it's the substance of the thing we hope for. It's the evidence of things that we do not see. So hope is not faith, but it plays a, it's a vital link to our faith that enables our faith to work. So it's important that we understand that they all have their place. Faith, hope, and love. It's faith that makes our hope become a reality. So if you hope for something, we've got to release faith to receive that something and that something then will materialize in our lives. Now hope, what purpose does it serve? It is a motivating force. Look at 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that has this what? This what? Hope. Not faith, not love, but has this hope in him. What does he do? He purifies himself even as he is pure. So hope then becomes a motivating force that motivates us to purify ourselves, to live godly, righteous, holy lives because we want one day to have a glorified body and we want one day to experience our heavenly home. We want to be with him in heaven. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So we see these three forces at work, faith, hope, and love. And they all have their place. They play a vital role, but we have to understand them and make sure that we're operating in them in order for them to be successful in carrying out God's purpose for our lives. Now, as I share with you this testimony for the third time, like I did it Wednesday night, did it in faith class on, he, on a healing Friday, and I want to do it today. I wasn't going to, but the Lord spoke to my heart, basically, do it. It's going to save someone's life. This is the healing testimony of Gertrude Tyser, one of the greatest miracles ever to be recorded in the 20th century. It took place between in 1962. I don't know why we haven't heard about it before. And she lived 20 years afterwards as a grandmother in her ripe old age. But this story puts all of what I just said into perspective. Because it reveals to us how she was healed of multiple sclerosis after being pronounced dead. I will tell you about a miracle. And this miracle happened to me. How? By one prayer, notice after I had the correct instructions about divine healing. Did you get that part? After I had the correct instructions about divine healing. Everything that we receive from God comes through his grace by faith. I had multiple sclerosis for more than 15 years. I could not walk around without stumbling and falling. Many times I was in a wheelchair. I often broke my bones, but I firmly believed that the Lord was going to heal me. Future tense. What is that? Hope. But that, at this point, that's what she thought. That's what she believed. He's going to heal me. If there is no cure for the illness, humanly speaking, it matters not. Healing comes from God, and there is nothing impossible with him. My church did not teach divine healing, but my Bible does. Isn't that good to know? So if your church does not teach you about divine healing, your Bible teaches it. Isaiah 53, with the stripes were healed. Isaiah 59, 1, the Lord's hand is not short and his ear is not heavy he's a prayer answering God Hebrews 13 8 Jesus is the same yesterday today and forever and that's a scripture that became alive to her and then also in Exodus 3 13 and 14 when Moses was sent by God and he said who shall I say sent me he said I am that I am and to her that meant he is the same today as he ever is he's the God of today not just the God of yesterday he is I am not I was 
These words put God in the present as far as he was concerned. He has never existed in the past. He is always the God of today. Then I also read Acts 10, 34 that says God's no respecter of persons, which means it's for everyone. Then I said to God, Lord, if Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and there is no respect of persons, and by his stripes we were healed, then this is for me. The Bible says faith comes of hearing, hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. We receive a measure of faith when we accept Christ as our Savior, but I want, I we want that faith to increase or to grow and we know it comes through the word. I became more paralyzed, more and more paralyzed. One doctor told me that the day would come and I would be completely blind and thus it was. The optic nerves were paralyzed, leaving me completely blind. Then one day they told me not to stay alone for within 24 hours, I would be completely paralyzed and it was so. The ambulance came and they took me to the hospital but on the way I said to the boys that took me, you forgot something and listen intently. They answered, what did we forget, Gertrude? I said, you did not bring my shoes. Oh, they said, what in the world is a paralyzed person going to do with shoes? You can't use them. You won't need them. I said, oh, yes, I'm going to need those shoes. One of these days, the Lord is going to heal me, and I will need those shoes to get out of the hospital. I believe with all my heart that God was going to heal me, but I did not know how to appropriate my healing. Many people came to pray for me. I firmly believe that all the prayers that were said by my family and my friends in behalf, in my behalf were heard by God. When we pray in faith for someone, God hears and considers that prayer. Perhaps the prayer may be delayed, but it's never denied. While I was in the hospital, I had three heart attacks and one stroke. Every time they would put me under oxygen tent, I would think, there is room for two, Jesus and me. The nurse would come and say, don't say a word. You must not waste your breath. One does not have to speak in a loud voice to Jesus. I would pray and feel his presence, and I knew the answer was on the way. This was my prayer. Oh, Lord, make me whole again. Don't just make me better, but make me entirely whole again. I remembered how Jesus asked the impotent man, wilt thou be made whole? And I answered the question, yes, Lord, make me entirely whole. Preparation for healing. The Lord had to deal with me concerning many things. I had worked in the church for 25 years and thought I was doing pretty good. But the Lord thought otherwise. One day he said to me, do you love your neighbor like yourself all the time and all of them? I answered, no, Lord. How can I win some I don't even like? <laughs> pretty honest. He taught me how, I, how to love them through the love of Jesus Christ. Yes, you can love your neighbor through the love of Jesus Christ. He dwells in us and we in him. So it is so possible to love others as he loves them. The Lord also dealt with me concerning doubt, fear, and unbelief. Things that I never considered as sin. For three months he taught me about those things that were within me that were not according to his will. I finally became completely paralyzed so that I could not do anything except talk to Jesus. I knew that the Lord was with me and when we know he is with us we can stand in, it, in all the disappointments in life. One day they covered me up with a sheet. They thought I was gone. I could move one hand and when they saw that move they came and took the sheet off. I was always asking those that came to visit me to bring my shoes. No one responded, for everyone thought I would not need clothes or shoes. It wasn't their fault. They did not know Christ as their healer. I would say to them, bring me some shoes, for when the Lord heals me, I'm going to need them. One day the head doctor came to see me and said, Gertrude, I would like to know your attitude about yourself. The night before I had suffered much thirst and spasm produced thirst that, would, uh, that they would not give me water at night for fear I would swallow my tongue. Now came the question, I want to know your attitude about yourself. I asked him if he wanted an honest answer or did he want me to joke? He said he wanted an honest answer, so I answered, I do not see myself here less than a human being. 
Then he said, how do you see yourself? I said, I see myself walking with shoes on. Oh, he said, I'm sorry I ever asked that question. That will never be. You will never be different from what you are right now. So I answered, according to you, I will never be different, but you have not considered my Lord. One of these days, he's going to heal me and I will walk with shoes on. His answer was, oh, that is your imagination. He thought that for he did not believe the Bible, but I know that God gave me a faith vision concerning myself walking just as he gave Abraham a vision when he was going into a far country. I was tired of being in that room in the hospital one day. I asked the nurse if they would take me outside to put me under a tree for I knew there were trees out in the yard. Having been in this hospital many times before when I was in a wheelchair. They called for the head nurse and she said, Gertrude, do you realize that if we were to take you outside you would have to have enough men to carry you bed and all? Don't you think that's unreasonable? Yes, I answered and I withdrew my request. One day a woman came into my room, Beatrice by name, and asked me, do you believe that God can heal you? And do you want me to pray? I answered yes to both questions and she said a short prayer and left. As she was leaving the room, an audible voice said to me, I sent this woman to you. I was frantic for I had no way of knowing what the woman looked like, for I was blind. So I called on the person in the next bed and asked them to call this woman. When she was by my bed, I said to her, God spoke to me and said that he sent you to me. Beatrice said, I am so glad you called me back. I was in my home in Maryland when God spoke to me and asked me to come to Las Vegas, Nevada, and visit all the incurable wards and ask people if they wanted me to pray for them. He added that one day a woman would say to me that God sent me to her. I was getting tired of getting a cold shoulder as I went around asking, do you believe God can heal you and do you want me to pray? Oh, I'm so happy that Beatrice obeyed God and traveled from one end of the country to the other to do his will. Once she knew who she was to pray for, she started to fast without food and without water. In spite of the terrible heat, she obeyed our Lord. Every evening she would come to the hospital to pray for me and every day I was worse. She found me on July the 1st and three nights after on July the 4th she was told that my grandson who lived in the same city had been called and asked to make arrangements to take care of my body. When she got to my bedside she asked, do you still believe that God can heal you? My answer was yes. Then she asked, even now? Again my affirmative answer. This time she asked, do you realize that this is the last opportunity? It has to be now or never? My answer was, yes, I know this. Beatrice then said, if I bring you a glass of cold water and place it beside your bed, do you believe that if you would drink it, it would quench that terrible thirst you have? Oh, I said, that is easy to believe. She said, now if I bring the glass of cold water and place it here by your bed, but you do not drink it, you would still believe that it would quench your thirst, but you would still be thirsty because you didn't drink the water, though you believed that is what you are doing with healing. You believe that God can heal you, but there's no contact of faith. It is necessary that you accept your healing in a definite way, even as you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior. There are many sinners who believe that Jesus died for their sins and was resurrected from the dead, but they remain sinners because they don't accept salvation for themselves. That is what you are doing with healing. You believe that God can heal you, but it's necessary that you take this healing right now. This is true faith. Oh, God knows the intentions of our heart. He knows our spiritual condition. 
He knows our, our spiritual stature. He knows if we truly believe in his greatness and power. Beatrice told me to raise my hands and pray. I lifted my heart to God and raised my one finger that I could move and said to the Lord, Lord, I take my healing this moment. I take it like water. I accept it. I believe, but I'm afraid. Of a truth, there is no room for fear. Fear indicates unbelief. I said to God, I'm afraid that you will ask me of me something that I'm unable to do. I fear that I'm not capable of fulfilling that which you would ask of me. The Lord spake to me in an audible voice and said, go and say that God healed you. Go to those that believe in divine healing and go to those who believe not. Those who mock and scorn and tell them that God healed you. I then answered, yes, Lord, I will go. It was at that, at this point that I saw Jesus standing by my bedside. When I saw Jesus, I could see the entire room. Jesus healed my sight. He restored my sight. I must say here that when I say I saw Jesus, I saw all except his face, which was but a bright, very bright light. Then the Lord touched me with the tips of his fingers and healed me completely. Many have asked, what did you feel? I will tell you what I felt. Fire started to go from my head all through my body and my body had been like ice. The divine heat circulated all through my body and I started to feel my bones crack for my muscles were like cement. My hands and feet were all twisted. My body was a big arch. My head and feet touching the bed but the rest of my body in the air. My bones arched, ached as the Lord was straightening them. But it did not matter about pain for my eyes were on Jesus. When we have our eyes on Jesus, pain doesn't matter. He told me many things that night. He ordered me to stay in the hospital three days and three nights that I might testify to all that, had, that God had healed me and speak about salvation in him. Jesus said to me, I'm not returning you to your old life. You cannot live your own life anymore. I'm loaning your life to you that you might testify about me. I will take care of you so I know I'm living on borrowed time, but that does not matter. The important thing is that I obey him. Many people have asked me, what did you say to Jesus? I'll tell you. When one is in the presence of the Lord, you don't say anything to him. You listen to what he has to say, and you will hear it with every fiber of your body, and you will never forget it. Now, the live testimony that was in effect after her healing and being in that hospital for, so, for such a long time. For a while, a while after Jesus left, I did not get up. I had a bit of fear of saying that God had healed me. I was not prepared to tell them that they were not, and they weren't prepared to hear me. Of a truth, the city of Las Vegas was not prepared to see the evidence of God. Someone had finally brought me a pair of shoes. So I got up and put them on. Afterwards, they asked me if it was difficult to walk, since I had not walked for such a long time. I said, oh no, it was difficult to stay on the floor under the powerful anointing of God. I felt like I could float. For two weeks, I felt like I was walking on my tiptoes. I walked out in the hall. And one of the patients who saw me raised his hands and said, glory to God, look what the Lord has done for Gertrude. There were people in the hall, and as they would see me, they would fall on their knees and start to pray. They were calling on God upon seeing the evidence of someone who had been completely paralyzed, now walking. I walked into the nurse's room. I did not mean to hurt them, but two of them passed out when they saw my face. <laughs> they had to carry them out on stretchers. Later they told me, that my face had been discolored and bags of water were under my eyes. When the Lord healed me, he wiped it all off and gave me a natural face. One of the head nurses came. She went into hysterics and said, Gertrude, you can't be here because you can't sit. You can't walk. And I have signed the last papers on you. 
You can't see and you can't stay here. Then I said to her, oh yes, I can be here. I'm just like you. Look at my hands. God has healed me. They're not like the hands of a paralytic person. I'm just like you. Then she said to me, I know that you can't be alive. This is not you that is here. Tell me, how many people helped you down the hall? I said, just one. She said, please tell me who it was. I said, it was Jesus. They called the superintendent. See, now it's time to call for the big guns to come in. Of the hospital. He had known me for years. For I had been in and out of the hospital many times. And he knew my condition. Now he said, Gertrude, I'm an unbeliever. But now that the Lord has come and worked a miracle in this hospital. This old hospital has rocked on its heels. Ever since Jesus came to heal you, no one has worked in this part of the hospital. But that does not matter. Look what the Lord has done. Here was an unbeliever admitting that Jesus had worked a miracle. Hallelujah. Yes, it was a miracle. For if it had been a healing, I would have had to learn to walk. God left many signs for them. One was the sign of the bed. People would come and touch the bed and it would give them a shock. Then I understood that when Jesus came and anointed me for healing, he anointed the bed also and left it as a sign for the unbelievers. The next morning they came, they came to doctor a bed sore. I asked them, did you come to doctor me? They said, this is duty. I told them, go ahead. And what a surprise when they found the place was just like the palm of my hand. They exclaimed, this truly is a miracle for the flesh had flaked away so that they could see the bone and it doesn't heal up like this. Praise God for his perfect work and signs and for unbelie- signs for unbelievers. This did not take place in the corner, but in a public place so that the people could see the manifestation of the power of Almighty God. I told the director of the hospital that I would only be here for three days and three nights. But he answered, oh no, you have to stay 30 days for observation. I said, it's impossible. Jesus told me to stay only three days and three nights. When it came time to sign the final papers, the phone rang and the nurse said to the director, it is your chief of staff. He answered, lay that phone down. If I take that call, the time will be passed when Jesus Christ said, Gertrude, you should go, and I don't want that on me. Oh yes, they obeyed what the Lord had said. Another thing that had noticed, they noticed uh, was a change in her handwriting. Some said that I was not the same person. So I said to them, I know you have a psychiatrist here in this hospital. Bring him here. He came and I said to him, take me to your part of the hospital and ask me any question you want to. I'm still me. Jesus came and made me whole again. The psychiatrist looked at me for a while and then said, oh no, I will not examine you for the one who performed the healing will give you the answers and I will be left out like a fool. <laughs> Many things happened in those three days and nights that I was in the hospital. They called my grandson, Tom, and asked him to come to the hospital immediately. He was the one who had been asked to prepare to take care of my body. I was walking down the hall when I saw him coming and I called to him, look Tom, look what the Lord has done for me. He came and made me whole again. Someone said to me, Tom can't hear you. He's in complete shock. (laughs) They worked on him for hours. When he came to, he said, when I saw you walking is when I went into shock. I never saw you walking before. This is her grandson. I never saw you walking before. I remember the grandma who pulled one foot and scraped the other. I remember the one who held the walls. Why didn't they tell me that Jesus made you whole? He probably thought she was dead. I still wanted to go outside and see the trees, so I, tell, I want to tell you that this, so that you will see how easy it is to get out of the will of God. The Lord told me to stay in the hospital three days and three nights. He didn't say anything about going outside, but I still wanted to know what it would be like to breathe fresh air. I went outside and stood under the, one of the trees. This is just like what I thought it would be. Wonderful to see trees and partake of fresh air. 
Just then one of the nurses tapped me on the shoulder and said, what are you doing here? Don't you know that the halls are full of people wanting to, to know if you can really walk? When I heard this, I knew that I had gone outside thinking only of myself and that I was outside out of the will of God. Jesus wanted me to testify to the people. As I stepped back into the hospital, I saw a black man sitting in a wheelchair. As I got near him, he asked, aren't you the woman they used to bring to this hospital tied to a wheelchair so she would not fall? I answered, yes, I am she. He asked, aren't you the woman that used to fall out of bed with spasm? I said, yes, I am she. Again, he said, are you not the woman who was blind? Yes, I answered, I am she. He said, tell me about your Jesus, for I do not know him. Oh, what a blessing it is to be in the will of God and able to guide a soul to Jesus. One day I was walking down the hall praising God when I saw a man on a stretcher at the door of the operating room. This is phenomenal. He was ready to be wheeled into operating room to be operated on. He had witnessed my paralytic condition and when he saw me walking and praising God, he said, if God can heal Gertrude, he can heal me too. He wrapped the sheet around him, got off the stretcher, went to his room, got dressed and walked right out of the hospital. Two years later, I met the man on the street and asked him if he had signed his dismissal papers. He said no, because Jesus Christ had dismissed him and he did not sign the paper, any papers. Then I asked him if he ever had that operation. He said, no, I did not need it. The Lord knew that he, he was going to accept divine healing at the last moment, so he saw to it that the spinal that they gave him did not take effect. He got off the stretcher after having been given a spinal and ran out the hospital. Bible events that take place. Those three days in a hospital, I witnessed what is written in Mark 2, 2. And straightway many were gathered together in so much that there was no room to receive him, them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. The people filled the halls that night, even staying until two o'clock in the morning for they wanted to see the evidence of God. In closing, I want to tell you about Mr. Martin. He was in charge of us eight hours a day. When Jesus came to heal me, he had his day off. So the following day, the Lord said, go see Mr. Martin. So I went to Mr. Martin and said, Mr. Martin, look at me. Jesus came and made me whole again. He did not turn. He had his back to me. But rather said, you go away, woman. And I went away. Again, the Lord said, go to Mr. Martin. So I went the second time to him and said, Mr. Martin, look at me. Jesus came and made me whole again. But Mr. Martin refused again, saying, you go away. I'm not going to look at you. I returned to the people standing in the hall and the third time the Lord said go to Mr. Martin. So I went and this time I said Mr. Martin please look at me for Jesus has said to me three times go to Mr. Martin and you know how far it is from my place with one hall going this way and the one that way so please look at me. Then Mr. Martin turned and said yes I'm going to look at you. When I had my day off was the time you were to have died. That is why I did not want to look at you when you came the first time. When you came the second time, I heard rumors about a miracle of healing. I am a good Catholic, and they do not teach me in my church that God can do miracles in my part of the hospital. Mr. Martin did not mind seeing a miracle, but he wanted it in a church. He wanted it in a cathedral, but God wanted it in a hospital so that many would hear the testimony and see the evidence of God. Mr. Martin said, when I turn around to see you, I will have to admit that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I will have to confess that he works miracles today, even in my section in the hospital. Mr. Martin has now returned to his country, Canada, 
but he has returned believing that Jesus Christ can do the, the same miracles that he did when he was here on this earth. Once Mr. Martin accepted my healing, he said, oh, let's do something. Let's call the, that woman who prayed for you, Beatrice. Let's do something. Yes, when we see the reality of God and know that he has visited us, we want to do something. May God bless and use this testimony in the lives of all who read it. Wow. Amazing testimony. Let's analyze it. There in your notes. Let's analyze it. First of all, what was it that she believed? She believed already that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. She believed also that God was not a respecter of persons and that it belonged to everyone. She believed that God was always the same and nothing was impossible with him. She believed that God hears and answers prayers and the person's faith can increase by hearing the word of God being preached. She believed that already. What didn't she have to correct in her life? Well, first of all, her vision or her hope. Now remember those three forces, faith, hope, and love. She didn't have to correct that. She told even the administrator, the doctors, and all those that were there at the hospital, bring me shoes. I don't see myself less than a human being lying here. I see myself walking out of this hospital with my shoes on. And she said that from the word go, from the very beginning. And I do believe that is why Jesus appeared to her. And I believe that's why he sent Beatrice to correct her faith. And we'll see that in just a moment. Because she said, I'm walking out of here. I'm walking out of here. I'm going to have shoes on my feet and I'm walking out of this hospital. She didn't have to correct that. She saw herself that way. When God told Abraham you're going to be the father of many nations, he didn't have one child. But he said, you know what? If you have feared not and unbelief, all you have to do is look at the stars and look at the sand. God gave him visual aid. See yourself that way. See yourself as the father of not just one, but multitudes. Multitudes, not just one. In other words, take your faith to a higher level. Increase your vision. So she didn't have to correct her vision because she saw herself walking out of the hospital. Her belief also, number two, really trumped the belief of physical evidence. For when the doctor said to her, there's no way. You'll never be anything more than you are right now. You will die. She said, that's what you say. But I know Jesus. I know the Lord who is my healer. She exalted the word above even all the best professional let's say conclusions that they had so that didn't need to be corrected well then what did need to be corrected well we see this in the beginning of the testimony when the Lord said to her do you love everyone everyone that you know with the same love and she said no I don't even like some remember she said that so how can I love them he said she said that Jesus then taught me that in his love you can love everyone. How important is this? Faith works by love. Here we are both thinking we're believing God, but if we're holding animosity, unforgiveness, if we're not loving everyone the way he loved us, it will short circuit our faith life. Can you see that? So she got that corrected. You know, you can love everyone, even your enemy. He said, do good those that hate you. Pray for those that spitefully use and abuse you and speak well of those that speak evil of you that you may be perfect or mature like your Father in heaven is perfect and mature. So we can love our enemies. She got that corrected in a heartbeat. I'm gonna love everyone. Secondly, she had to correct her doubt and unbelief. 
And that's why Beatrice was sent. She believed that God's a healing God. She believed that God was going to heal her. That's future tense. That's hope. That's not faith. So she wasn't in faith. She was in hope. And that's okay. Why? Because if you don't have hope, your faith has nothing to give substance to. Faith gives substance to your what? Hope. So the doctor basically stripped her of all her hope. You will never be anything more than you are but a vegetable and you will die. And she said, no, 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 no. You've got it wrong. You don't know my Lord. My hope is in him. Can you see that? Faith gives substance to your what? Your hope. If you have no hope, faith has nothing to give substance to. So she had to correct the unbelief. Do you remember when the man came with his son that was a, had a suicidal spirit? And he threw himself into the fire many times. And he threw himself into the, in, in the fire many times and in the water many times to, to kill him. Right? Remember that? He said, I came to her disciples and they couldn't heal him. They couldn't help. Now, if you could do anything, Jesus, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, hey, it's not what I can do. It's not whether or not I have compassion. Does God have compassion? Did Jesus show compassion on the earth? He was so compassionate. Matthew 14, 14. He was moved with compassion. Healed all that were sick. Everywhere he went. It's not an issue of his compassion. It's not an issue of his helping hand. It's not an issue of his ability. Jesus then shouted out. It's not what I can do. Oh no, no, no. It's what you can believe. If you can believe. All things are possible to him that believeth. Is that what Jesus told him? And what did the man say? I believe, but he was honest. Help my what? Help my unbelief. Oh, we should cry out to God. We may think we know we're operating in faith, but you know what? It's possible to believe, but yet not receive. You realize that? So he said, help my unbelief. And Jesus did help his unbelief. And we should cry out the same way. My miracle's possible. I know I've got to believe, but also I have to re- receive. So I've got to release my faith in order to receive. So she needed to move from believing, listen carefully, to receiving. As long as I'm believing, he's going to heal me someday. He's going to heal me someday. He's going to heal me someday. He's going to help me someday. He's going to provide the need someday. He's going to provide a job someday. He's going to provide a miracle someday. He's going to, he's going to provide financial aid someday. As I keep on believing that, I'm not receiving that. I'm just believing that. But I'm still in hope. The time comes like it came for Gertrude. You must receive it now like you received Jesus as Savior. So she did. So she said, I see it now. I see it now. And I love the way she said it. Jesus, I believe I received my healing like drinking water. She used the same illustration that God sent Beatrice thousands of miles away to go tell her. I just kind of thought when I read that, couldn't he find somebody closer? I mean, doesn't that make you think that? Maybe he couldn't. Nobody else would be obedient to do it. So believing is only one aspect of faith. We can believe water will quench our thirst, but if we don't drink it, it won't. Right? We can believe there's food over here on the table, and we can believe it'll help us if we're hungry, but if we don't eat it, it won't do its job. My believing it is only part of the truth. I believe it. But now I must throw up there Mark eleven twenty four. What therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you what? Receive them, and then you'll have them. Believe you receive them, and then you will have them. Do you see how they go together? I must move my believing to receiving. James said, Ask in faith. If you waver, 
Don't even think you're going to receive anything from the Lord because you're double-minded. Remember he said that? Ask in faith, nothing wavering. So she had to move her believing to receiving, not just saying, he's going to heal me, he's going to heal me, he's going to heal me, he's going to find me a job, he's going to help me this way, that way, the other way. No, we must set a time to say, I believe. Now, I was in, at Rama. I was at school, and I didn't understand how to get financial needs met. I'll be honest with you, I studied healing, but never much about finances. And as I was playing in the courtyard with my oldest daughter, playing with a little ball in the courtyard of the, uh, of the uh, complex where we were living, throwing the ball back and forth, I needed $200 for my rent. I spent all that I had to go down there. I had $2 left to my name in the checkbook at that time. I needed a lot of things. I didn't have $200. I'm working a part-time job. Big long list of all these things. And while I'm playing catch with her, it pays to meditate in your mind the word of God. I'm thinking, okay, I need $200. What am I going to do? I need $200. And I'm one, I like to pay my bills on time. I don't know about you, but I like to pay my bills on time. It bothers me if I don't. And it was Sunday. I needed it on Thursday. And I'm throwing the ball back and forth, throwing the ball back and forth. All of a sudden, the Holy Ghost, thank God for the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost said, you got to believe you receive that $200 just like you do with healing. You got to believe you receive it before you can have it just like you do with healing. A light bulb went on. Like she said, it became a reality to her. I said, oh, I never knew that. So I said, you mean, Lord, if I ask you for $200, I believe I received $200, I'll have $200? I'm not an Einstein, but I think that that's how it works. I said, okay. I'm asking you for $200 to pay my rent. And you know what? I receive it now. Not that you're going to give it to me. I receive it now. I receive it now. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you that I have it now. Thank you, Father, for the $200 to pay my rent. Next day came, school time. Get up early in the morning. I start walking to my car. I go to work. I go to school, rather. Come back from school. I start walking past the mailboxes. There's a bunch of them because it's a complex. And, and there I am walking right by and all of a sudden as I get right by my door I hear this voice say you better go look in the mailbox and see if you're ever going to get that money. I took one step back just to show you the deception of the devil. I took one st- step back as I took that step back I stopped and said oh no you don't. Why would I want to look in that mailbox for something I already have? I believe I received it. I know I have it. And I said devil I know you're dumb but now I want you to know that you're blind. Because you see, I see it. I have it. I'm not going to get it. I have it now. Went right back inside. Had myself something to eat. I came back out. I got the mail when I wanted to get the mail. This happened Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then even on Thursday it happened. The day I needed to pay my rent. And so, same thing. Go in. I said the same thing. I'm not looking. I know I've got it. I've got it. Oh, glory to God. We should get so caught up in saying, I've got it. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Lord. I got it. I have it. I have it. I have it. Devil want to bother you? Just show them. Look at this. Look at this. Right there. Looking things that are not seen. Not things that are seen. So I finally came out after I had my lunch. You know, when I wanted to get to my mailbox, opened up the mailbox, pulled out a bunch of letters, and I began reading through them. All of a sudden, I opened this this one that was mailed from Youngstown, Ohio. And I began to open, I read the very first paragraph that said, Dear Bill, we don't know why we're doing this, but we're sending you this check for $200 that the Lord spoke to us to send you on Sunday. (laughs) 
the moment I asked for it, the moment I believed I received it, was the moment the Lord moved upon the hearts of somebody to send it. But if you don't really need it all that bad, just use it wherever you want. I wanted to say, oh Lord, God Almighty, you have no idea. And then I walked over to the, to the, uh, to the lady where I was going to pay for the rent, you know, the day it was due. And I walk in there, and I hand her, I, I took a check of mine, and I handed it to her after I deposited, I handed it to her. And she's looking down, she's doing all this paperwork that she's doing, she goes, shoot, like that. I'm thinking, lady, that came on the wings of angels, and you just take it like that? Where's your respect for the... <laughs> That was my first time I had ever asked the Lord to provide a financial need for me. But it taught me a lesson of faith that I'll never forget. You gotta move your believing over to receiving. If you're just believing it's going to happen, that's hope, and that's not faith. Your faith gives substance to your hope. I believe I receive it now. I believe I have it now. And then that becomes your point of contact. The next day, I received it yesterday. The next day, I received it two days ago. The next day, I received it three days ago. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, I have it now. So what's our conclusion? Our conclusion is if we want our faith to work, then we've got to walk in love, number one. And we've got to move from believing to receiving. We cannot give up hope. Gertrude got her healing because she stayed in hope and didn't let anything discourage her. And then when she was taught how to get from believing to receiving, in other words, moving from hope to faith, she acted on it and she received it instantaneously. So much so that Jesus appeared and touched her with the tip of his fingers and made her whole. Man, I don't know about you, but that just turns me on because of my faith. I know our faith can, can unleash the miracle power of God in a powerful way. I saw this happen, and I'll close with this last testimony. I saw this happen when I first got saved in my father who was gracious enough to scare me into the kingdom of God. He gave me the book of Revelation until my hair stood up. And said I'd be on an airplane someday and it would crash because the pilot would be a Christian. He would, he would go to heaven and boom, I'd be on a plane and it would go down. He said, you might, you might be riding on a train someday, a passenger train. And the, the conductor would be gone, boom, and others. And then it would just crash, go off a cliff somewhere. I mean, he was pretty animated about it and detailed about it. He says, and then you know where you're going to be burning in the lake of fire for the rest of your life. For the rest of your existence, that's where you're going to be. It was getting hot in that room. And it was after that I accepted Jesus as my Savior and Lord. But I know it's hard for you to imagine, but I'm very, and I'm not, I'm reserved. I'm kind of a quiet, reserved guy. I'm not boisterous. I don't get out there. Some people say to me, I can't believe that the way you're up there. I said, that's not me up there. It's the Holy Ghost in me up there. That's not me up there. I'm more backward, shy, and quiet, and all that. I think it's because my dad was always so boisterous. Everywhere we'd go, he was just boisterous. And so I just kind of went the opposite direction. Didn't want to be that way. So he says, hey, you're coming with me. We're going to go over to this house. And this lady, we're going to lead her to the Lord. She fell. She got hurt really badly. And we're going to go over there and we're going to lead her to the Lord. Okay. So we go to the house, knock on the door. Nobody answers. We're waiting there five minutes. Sitting in the car. It's a cold day. Waiting and waiting. Finally, he decides, we, I guess we should just go. Nobody answers the door. All of a sudden, we see the door crack. The door cracks a little bit. And all of a sudden, we see that she's there. So we get up out of the car, go to the 
open up the door she's got tears streaming down her eyes she's in excruciating pain because the way she fell on her ankle she, t- she tore all the ligaments in her ankle she couldn't her f- husband had to actually carry her out of the bedroom and lay her on the couch in the living room because she couldn't put any pressure down this is like 30 some years ago 38 years ago maybe no longer almost 40 years ago and there she is crying her eyes out and I love this way my daddy he's so boisterous and he like I said, he's so outgoing he goes Bill tell her the gospel <laughs> okay <laughs> so now you made the entrance and now you give me all the, the work to do right so I, I tell her do you know what it means to be born again she said no and I gave her all the scriptures I told her what Jesus said I told her what Paul said I said you have to confess him as Lord and Savior etc she goes I've been in church a little bit but really I don't know anything about about things like that I don't know anything about eternity so I explained to her everything the fall of man the reason for the incarnation I just went ahead and just began to share everything I said now what's left to do is for you to ask Jesus to be your Savior and Lord just to accept him and confess him as your Savior and as your Lord will you do that she said absolutely so I led her in a prayer of commitment to Jesus and she was just sitting there thanking the Lord for saving her and I said oh by the way now I want you to see where I was at. By the way, this is a side issue. What found, I found out that it wasn't a side issue. I said, he's also your healer because he died for your healing as well as your sins, your salvation. And she said, oh. I said, so if you'll accept him as your healer, he'll heal you too. Okay. She said, okay. So let's just do it right now. I prayed a prayer with her. Jesus, I accept you as my healer. I thank you for dying on the cross for my healing as well as my sins. I believe I received my healing now. Thank you for healing me. And I just stood there. Next thing I knew, she jumped off the couch and smashed her foot on the ground as hard as she could. I mean, jumped up, smacked it down like that. She said, I'm healed. I was floored. (laughs) Someone says, why don't you do that when you pray for me? I didn't do it she did it see sometimes you want to tell people do this do that unless the Holy Ghost prompts you to say to do this do that do the other thing but I'm telling you she was just as simple as can be in believing that what I said was true because it was from the Bible and so she just acted on it and smashed her foot on the ground instantly healed she was taken by her husband to the doctor because the doc- her husband thought she lost her mind went back to the doctor with her and said what's up with my my wife did you make a mistake he said look here are the x-rays there they are right there I want you to know that she has a bad sprain a terrible no doubt about it if she's walking on that foot right now it had to be a miracle the doctor said her husband says I don't believe in miracles he said it was a miracle whether you believe it or not she cannot she should not be walking on that foot let alone running and doing this took her home my dad saw him the next day he said what do you think about your wife's miracle he said I don't believe it I don't believe in God and the man died cursing God you see no one can make a person believe what they don't want to believe right come on up here praise and worship team hallelujah we got to move our believing into receiving. How many of you can see that? Can you see that? And I'll be honest, if you're honest with yourself, I'm honest with myself. That's not always the easiest thing to do, is it? Because your feelings are just speaking. You heard Brother Dave this morning. 
This man on the outside, he wants to rule, right? Feelings want to rule. Circumstances want to rule. All these things want to rule. We get our mind renewed to the word of God and say, you know what? If he calls me a masterpiece, I'm a masterpiece. If he says I'm healed and I'm whole, then I'm healed and I'm whole. If he says I'm delivered and set free from the powers of darkness, then I am. It's up to us to take a hold of the word of God. If he says his word is life to me and health to all my flesh, then it is. And I'm going to take as much of it as I possibly can. Get the medicine of God's word in me. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence, to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.